This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you. Seriously, though, for real, not kidding. Uh, Patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway. We had a tremendous response from the first week. Cannot thank you enough. We have a lot more details coming for the Patreon in the coming weeks. Please stay tuned, especially next week. I'm sure we'll talk about some things. So, yeah, here we go. Uh, big show today. Got Shana Goldman. Talk a lot about the Norris Trophy, the trade deadline, everything. Greg and I go through the whole entire organization philosophy of prospects and a lot of stuff. So let's get to Mark Messier and go from there, huh? Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans. Welcome to the week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. Of the, yes, of the, wow, I said that already. And uh, Greg, say hello. How about that? Good start. You're on one. You're, you're, on, you're on one, buddy. See, we're recording I mean, at a, 6.30 instead of 7, which really throws me uh-huh. off. That's, I got you. My game well, is totally... Oof. Wow. It's gone. Time check with Ryan Mead. Is that going to be your next podcast? No, no, definitely not. See, I can, I can play up to my competition. 7 o'clock, I can play. Like the Capitals, I can do it. Buffalo, though, 6.30? No way. Can't happen. Have to go to OT to play that. That's uh, oh, that's it. Man, this Ranger team, huh? There's a lot to go through <laughs> somehow. Mets opening night, of course. I think it's important to say that. Yeah, um, yeah. We got to – we got. <laughs> you got 30 minutes to get whatever you want out of the New York Rangers out of me because well, I got to tell you, once 7 o'clock comes around, yep. Shane is coming on. You guys are going to have a great conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll hear some – Yes, uh, some nice Jacob deGrom noises, etc. So now you know what to look forward to, and uh, everyone knows that a podcast is, is live. That's why we're doing this live, of course. Sure. Um, anyway, so let's, let's talk about some things. Okay. Oh, I don't even know where to start. With with David Quinn, like, it's so garbage. Hard, hard, hard to talk about things if you don't know where to start, right? It, it's just so, like, annoying at this point. I hate defending this guy, and I think you said it the best. Oh? Like, me? last week. Yeah, you, Greg. You and your stupid face. You said... <laughs> You said, like, it sucks to defend David Quinn because he's so average. And then I saw yeah. people today, you know, and, and I think it's really important to say this. What we see on Twitter isn't the entirety of our of our listener base. It's not. You know, not everyone has Twitter. Not everyone's on the Internet. And there's always a vocal minority of people who 
are angry at David Quinn. Quinn well, has yeah, the ang- angry angry people say the most things. Of course, as, we're right here. As, you know, yeah, yeah, we're right. both angry. I get it. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating thing because with this whole Quinn situation, and the one thing I I, I tried to point out over the weekend was this: I don't understand why nobody, not a single soul, ever blames JD or Gorton. For anything that's happening on the team, their line changes, the the way the development's being handled. Do you think Gorton and JD have absolutely no say in what happens with Capo Caco and Lafreniere? I just, I can't fathom that that's the case. It's not. It can't be. It, this These are people that have a vision for the franchise. We've seen it as such. They trade up for Brandon Schneider. They do all these things. They have a vision. It's not hashtag the vision, but it is a vision. And they are supervising over this team. And I'm sure they have... I know it's David Quinn's job to set the lines. Of which change anyway, immediately. And I know there was a big... Like, a win against Buffalo over the weekend. First of all, we didn't even talk about the Capitals. They destroyed the Capitals in a way that was just tremendous and magnificent. On the, on the night that was supposed to be the Mets opening night. And then, you know, two tough games against the Sabres. Both went to OT, um, which were miserable. The Sabres were playing well. But the whole thing was, what about Lafreniere's ice time? Like, I don't know, is, is four minutes of ice time changing Lafreniere's trajectory as a first-round pick? Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Just saying that. But on top of everything, Greg, and on top, like, Gordon and JD have hands on this team. It's a blueprint. They have the ability to affect what's going on. And nobody, nobody ever says, oh, it, it, this comes from the top. It's always Quinn. And I hate defending this guy, and I hate to be look like a bootlicker or whatever. But there, it's everybody plays a hand in this. It, it, and to me, I don't know if anything's actually wrong. Is Laf- yes, is Lafreniere not coming out of the gates like Matthews and Connor McDavid? Yeah, of course. That's very obvious at this point. You can post all the time and nice charts you want. I get it. But this this starts at the top. It's everybody. It's not just Quinn. It has to. If you want to blame blame Quinn, you got to blame everybody, Greggy. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, that that's honestly that that your last point there is what I was about to dive into because I, I understand the frustration. I understand. Everybody wants to see the shiny new toy as much as of course. humanly possible. And I understand that it, it can't be ideal. It can't be how it was drawn up in the offseason that Lafreniere, the last couple of games, would be averaging less than 12 minutes of ice time a night. And sure, yeah, there, there seem to be very easy ways to rectify that situation. But for whatever reason, the coaching staff and the front office don't want to do that right now. And I think the emphasis has to be on the front office because I most of the Quinn tweets now are are treating him as if David Quinn is delusional for thinking the New York Rangers are a playoff team, which I think you and I, I don't think we'd go as far to call it delusional, but I think both of us would say uh, odds are the New York Rangers aren't making the playoffs. doesn't matter how well the Rangers play from here on out. There are five teams in front of them. When you count that the Flyers have a game in hand, on the Rangers as recent as tonight, Monday night at 6.33 p.m. Yep. But the, more importantly, the Bruins, who have more points currently than the New York Rangers, have three games in hand. And they're also the Boston Bruins. Yeah, and they're very there's good. A lot of anic- there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to suggest that the New York Rangers, regardless of how well they play, um, and they'd have to play better than they did against the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, you can't do what you did make the playoffs. Yeah, you can't do at it. The, but we're, I'm, we're at a point now where everyone – I think everyone's been screaming and shouting – and tweeting in all capital letters so much about how David Quinn sucks that they're convinced he's coaching as if he's on the hot seat. You start saying something enough and you start to think that 
well, I can't be the only one saying this. This has to be a real thing. I think there's a the, the fire Quinn portion of Twitter, which is insufferable in its own right, but it's gotten to a point now where they're convinced that Quinn is coaching for his job. I've seen it a couple times. Some from people we like. Here's the thing. He's not. We There is no evidence to suggest the New York Rangers think David Quinn is doing wrong or doing anything incorrectly behind the bench. If anything, we have even more evidence to suggest that Gorton and Davidson, like you said, view this team the exact same way David Quinn views his team, which is a young team in the midst of a playoff race, which credit where credit is due. And MSG talked about this a lot over the weekend. There's benefit for the New York Rangers to be playing meaningful hockey games this late into a season. That in and of itself is good for development. These Rangers aren't playing games like the Red Wings where no game matters. So even when the Red Wings have a good night, you could almost say it's because the other team took the night off and the Red Wings took advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, like when Tampa lit up meaningful... five goals versus Detroit, it was kind of like, well, Tampa right. didn't play. Yeah, Tampa, Tampa didn't show up. The, the You could make the argument that's what the Rangers did against the Sabres this weekend. The Rangers didn't show up. Yeah, the Rangers are um, not in a position to do that, just, just to be right. clear. Correct, <laughs> correct. But it, it I think it, on one hand, it's important for the kids to be playing these important games. I don't think it's beneficial for the Rangers to get their shit pushed in on a nightly basis. I, I would rather the Rangers play competitive hockey games where Lafreniere is only getting 10 to 12 minutes, then the Rangers lose by four goals a night and Lafreniere is getting 16 minutes a night. Because I just don't think those 16 minutes are equal in terms of development, in terms of learning what it takes to win in the NHL. All that bullshit old people talk that we love to make fun of, but it's got some meaning here. I think the the, the thing that triggered this conversation, which we should mention, is that seeing the practice lines where Colin Blackwell has been moved up once again to the second line. Right. And Kapokako has been moved down to the third line. Yep. And Kravtsov's three on the days after David Quinn said that Vitaly Kravtsov is not a fourth line player, Vitaly Kravtsov is on the fourth line. Cool. I understand it. You can be totally frustrated about that. 100%. Yeah, you can quote not me just... and you can, you can literally say this you, and I don't blame you. I really don't. Yeah, 100%. Dunk on him. He, that deserves some dunking. I love Luis Rojas. I think he's a Mets, phenomenal Mets manager, manager for people who don't care or follow baseball. Yeah. But I, they're, 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 I, I, you're going to be shocked. There's a Met connection here. I love Rojas. Weird. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I think Rojas is the right man for the job. I think he knows these guys in the locker room so well because he's managed all of them throughout their minor league careers that he's able to read that room better than anybody else in New York Mets could put in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think Luis Rojas is a fucking idiot for batting <laughs> Kevin Pillar leadoff against the Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies. Like, Game starts at 20 minutes, by the way. Yeah, but uh, uh, less than that. Well, 20, yeah, give or take. Yeah, because, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you can be, I think people get frustrated because anytime you and I criticize Quinn, which honestly would happen more frequently if people weren't being ridiculous online. I think we'd spend a lot of time, we spent a lot of time last year asking really hard questions about David Quinn and whether his handling of Cabo Caco was correct, whether he was managing player personalities the best way in that locker room, whether Adam Fox was getting enough ice time, even though he was playing like 18 minutes a night last year. And now he's like at 30. Yeah. So, okay. We were asking critical questions of David Quinn, critical questions that still apply, but people like, just because I don't think David Quinn should be fired. Doesn't mean he's an A plus student. If I had to give him a grade as a head coach, probably a B minus. Do I think the Rangers could do better? I'd, I'd hope so. Do I think David Quinn has room to grow? He absolutely has room to grow. Do I think he's capable of doing it? I don't know. I'm not convinced. But I also don't see anything David Quinn is doing as flying in the face 
of what Jeff Gordon and John Davidson want. And if you, we, David Quinn is the, is the front facing guy, the guy that talks every night, the guy who makes in-game decisions, the guy who is easiest to blame because he's the first one you see. That's why everybody wants to fire David Quinn. We have no evidence to suggest that David Quinn is going against the plan. And if he's going in line with the plan, which I think he is, if you want David Quinn fired, you have to also fire Jeff Gordon at minimum. Maybe John Davidson too. But at minimum, David Quinn is Jeff Gordon's handpicked guy. David Quinn is doing everything Jeff Gordon wants him to do. And it's, again, it's, it's, it's rotten from the top. If you think it's rotten on the bench, it is 100% rotten at the top. And if your goal is to rid yourself of the rot, the only way to do that is firing both of them. And if, if you guys want to do that, have that conversation. I, I don't think it's a smart idea, but have that conversation on Twitter. Stop being like, oh, David Quinn's ruining everything. David Quinn is doing what the organization wants. I'm not saying he's the perfect uh, manipulator of the talent on the roster. I'm not saying he's a puppet, but he is walking lockstep with what the front office wants to do. Oh, yeah. So if you have a problem with Quinn, you have a problem with Gordon. And I know this fan base doesn't feel like they have problems with Gordon. He's done some interesting things. I have some problems, but yeah. <laughs> Might have some problems, but yeah. he's done mostly good, which is what I think David Quinn has done. I I don't know. I really I really don't. Do I think, like you said, do I think Kako or Lafreniere only playing 10 or 11 or 12 Kako's minutes? been getting a lot of ice time recently. I just want to throw that out there. Even with the, yeah, no, even with the no power play that's, whatsoever. That's that's the thing. It, it, he's been solid defensively. The the Panarin Strom Kako line has not been why the Rangers haven't been scoring goals. No, it's been their best line. My yeah, opinion. It, yeah. Kreider Kreider's have been a Jan Buchnevich are once again not finishing. No. Um they're not. And, and they look something like is not clicking. Something is not clicking on the kid line either, where you know, it could just be inconsistency because they're children, but if that line comes and goes in spurts, and it 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 can't be helping that that line is not playing consistent minutes together. But how many times have we said it? The easiest fix, absolute easiest fix power on this one. team. Yeah. Power play one. Yep. I, I see a lot of people saying take Kreider off the top line. No, it's, it's Ryan Strong. And, and it sucks for Ryan Strong, man. It really does because he's had an incredible oh, year. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, meant, I meant five on five. Like at five on five, take okay. Kreider off the KZB line, put Lafreniere there, put Kreider on the third line. Oh, yeah. I've seen enough people say that. We There's evidence to suggest Heedle and Kreider play great together. Um, the chart boys out there will be happy. Chart boys are clapping right now. Happy. All of them. Every single happy, one. happy, happy to show it. Happy to back it up. Yep. I, I don't think it's even. I, if you want to leave KZB together because they've had historical success, I, fine. I, we're power play one I, again. The the click king Larry Brooks said it himself. The Rangers run, run one power play unit. I understand the second unit gets twenty five to thirty. Seconds I do love the name Click night. King for Larry Larry Brooks. This is the best. He's Click King, baby. Um, <laughs> I, I do click every time. I'm a fool. Every time. Yeah. Every time. It, it's. Man, Larry Brooks sucks. Let's see what this guy has to say. Today. I do it immediately. You don't have to do the second part of it if you think he sucks. Yep. Don't have to do it. But easiest thing to do, for whatever reason, I'm not here saying not playing the second line, the second power play unit is good. I'm not here to say that this is a sound strategy that the New York Rangers are choosing to go with. I'm saying it's what they're doing. So if the first power play line is going to get a minute 40 of the two-minute power play, other ice times are going to go down significantly. I like Strom's having a great year. We have to give credit where credit is due. He's been great. Strom might get an extension for the Rangers eventually. It legitimately might happen. Pump, pump, pump the fucking brakes. Down. Okay, right? I'm just saying it's 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 in the cards. 
Ryan, you got into trouble for memeing one guy today. Okay, Don't you're right. Again. My bad. <laughs> my apologies. But Ryan, Ryan Strom's been incredible this year, my dude. He's been he incredible. Really and it, this is this is no knock on Ryan Strom. He's just the most replaceable guy on that top power play unit. And if the goal is to get one more guy on that top power play unit, that's a kid, Kako, Lafreniere, whoever, crafts off even, if you want to get him extra minutes there. If you want to just make that a rotating door of the three, and every night a different guy gets to go unless he gets – something done on the yeah. power play unit mm-hmm. fine that to me replacing strom on power play one we don't hear a lot of these time on ice things it they would still exist i'm sure because quite honestly the rangers have 11 top nine forwards and they don't have obviously 11 spots to play they do not. nine guys yeah that's math i don't understand it very much but i'm pretty sure 11 mm-hmm. into nine doesn't quite work um so th- they're not going to go away but just it's the easiest one. It's right there in my it, – it, I. everybody's trying to think of different five-on-five five configurations. I don't think it's that hard. I really do. Th- I think it's as simple as you put one of them on the top power play unit because that power play flows through Fox and Panarin anyway. You're not, we're not asking Kako Lafreniere or Kravstoff. No, we're asking them there. to shoot the puck. That's yeah. it. We just wanted to be a trigger man. Like I, I w- I've always been interested in, in seeing Kako in Kreider's spot to see what he can do in front of the net. That's always Kreider's something. so good at it, though. I know. That's what. How could I stop him? That's what. That's what it is. Kreider. That's like his bread and butter. If you were like, what's Kreider's best talent? It's that that ability to stand in front of the net in the power play. No doubt about mm-hmm. it. That's that's what I want Kako to do, or I'd like to see that at least on power play too. Who knows? But in this case, I'd rather just Lafreniere or Kako get the shot as a left-handed shot and just just shoot away. That's it. That's all I want you to do. That's yeah. Instead of Strom just passing the extra time, so we're there for a minute fifty-five. That's four and a half to five minutes a night. Yep. Extra. Easy. So that, imagine Lafreniere plays 10 minutes, five on five, five minutes on the penalty uh, power play. It's a 15 minute night. No one's going to complain about Alexi Lafreniere anymore. Yep. But it, it, it's, it's hard. No, no, because they won't, they'll complain unless he's like getting like, you know, a goal per game. Well, because, well, if it's Lafreniere's night on PP1, then where's Kako's minutes coming from? Ryan? Yeah. So yeah. The, like, there's well, Kako's, always. Kako's has, he's been getting 50 minutes of ice time. He really has yeah, been. He's been playing the top six. It's, and he's, he's been, been playing good. There's been no – honestly, the thing for well, me is not that well. – uh, the, the thing for me is not that um, Blackwell necess- – Blackwell's been great. I can't sit here and say Blackwell's been bad. There have been times this season where we've said the New York Rangers can't responsibly expose Colin Blackwell to Seattle in the expansion. Oh, he looks tremendous. He was true, he's, looks tremendous. He's scoring he's goals. Been, he's I, been great. I know he's shooting but, 22% right now, but – there are um, – just to, I want to bring this back to one point real quick before you keep going yeah, here, Gregory. Sure. Sure, sure, um, sure. With Quinn – you know, you said about he's he's going with the organizational style, and I agree, as you know, as I, as I said earlier. One yeah, thing I think we're P boys for the team. Yep, that yep, makes sense. Yep, that's true. Um, one thing I think is important is is he's not. I, I do still believe he's not coaching for his job, but he is coaching to win. Does that make sense? Like those aren't the same yeah. things, but he no, still but thinks th- like having Blackwell gives him the best chance to win in the top six, at least to start. And then he'll go from there. He those are the guys he trusts. He still has to win. His job is to win, unless yeah. unless Gordon tells him like, "Hey, your job is to develop," and that's strictly it. Play the guys in the top six and bury your stars. That's that's all that's going to happen. And that's what yeah, Quinn's but, doing. R- R- yeah, Ryan. But that that's what twenty five of the thirty one NHL head coaches are doing. Yeah, the only coaches not doing that are uh, Granado in Buffalo because it's over. It's done. You can't do anything. Um, Blashill in Detroit, it's over, done. You can't do anything. Like no coach is going to go. It's 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 
irresponsible to think that when a game starts, a coach's number one priority is not to win. Mm-hmm. Irresponsible. There are there are opportunities within the game where the coach may admit that uh, winning might not happen because you're just getting blasted out of the room. I honestly wouldn't want a head coach that just goes into a game and says, man, my objective tonight is not necessarily get a W. It That's bonkers. Guys, and it, it's not Colin Blackwell's job to give a shit if the kids are playing enough. Like, Blackwell's playing great hockey for Colin Blackwell. All oh, Colin Blackwell has to get is, his bag, my friend. He yeah, is. He's exceeded, he's exceeded all of our expectations. He's not Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson got paid a lot. Colin Blackwell is trying to make a career in the NHL and get one or two contracts. Like, maybe, yeah. hopefully just one. He wants, like, one extended contract. It's hard to do that, and Colin Blackwell's trying to earn it. He has to look out for himself. I have nothing against him. It's just there's 11 number one overall picks in this, or, or top, uh, not number one overall, of course, uh, first-round picks on this team who we want to see play in the top six. That's not his fault. No, and but it's, I'm fine with David Quinn coaching to win the game. I, I, I have problems with the way he's doing it. Yeah, like, I didn't like I'm him playing fine. Blackwell out in overtime multiple times. You know, I didn't love it. I would have liked to see Kako out there. But if he if he believes Blackwell I gives see, him the- I did see someone I did see someone ask whether Blackwell was originally out there to take the face off and then get off the ice, and the game flow didn't allow it to happen. Mm. I I saw it out there. I wish I could remember who exactly said it. Um, just understand whoever said it. I saw it, and props to you for pointing that out because that is smart. You got you got you got my attention with that one. Yeah, it, it's it's not that. Like, I don't want David Quinn to start, go into every night being like, well, this team's young and they're not going to make the playoffs, so winning is not the mo- not the goal here. I want winning to be the goal. Everybody wants to win. They want to win with their guys, which is fine by me. I'm not saying Colin Blackwell should be playing on the second line above Capococco. Not saying that. I think Capococco's been better this year, though Blackwell has eight goals. But, again, that's more of just confirmation bias than it is anything. I test anything. Capococco's been better than Colin Blackwell this year. You're not going to get – into a Twitter fight saying that because it's just factually true. Uh, I don't think that's the line that needed to be broken up. If you thought you needed to shake something up on the top six, you had to take a hard look at KZB. If you wanted to put Blackwell up there, seems redundant to me, but it would at least be something different. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with David Quinn wanting to win. The organization wants to win. The organization isn't seeing Boston with three games in hand. They're just seeing Boston a couple points ahead, and they want to get those points. Go for it, guys. I don't that's fine. That's easy to root it's for. It's also exciting. You're, yeah, it's fun. You're, yeah, you're you're not gonna turn off your fan base by saying we are trying to make the playoffs. No one is gonna be like, you dumb fuck. Why would you ever do something like that? That's fine. None of us think you're gonna make it. I don't know what a single Ranger fan, a, a sane Ranger fan no, that truly believes this team. Everybody make who I, I know who's who's like a legit a sane, quote unquote sane Ranger fan, um like knows that we have a long shot, but is still enjoying the ride, which is how you shouldn't yeah. do this. Yeah, it's fun to root for a young fine. team that's going to make a push. And by the way, if we were in any other division, likely make the playoffs. But yeah, we're not. We're in the East. It's totally, it's totally fine to be rooting for this team to win as many games as possible. And it's totally fine to admit that this team is not going to win enough games to get there. It, it's the process in which the Rangers are doing it that I and you have a problem with. But I, we're getting to a point now. We're not we. The 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 glass box that we all yell into at the end of the night is getting to a point where <laughs> it does feel like people are rooting for something they're not actually rooting for. And they're blaming someone they shouldn't just be blaming. If you want the Rangers to lose every night, God bless you. 
I, I watch the Mets 162 times a year. Starts, I don't need the Rangers to be doing that as well. Tonight, yep. If you want to fire David Quinn, God bless you. But understand that you need Jeff Gordon fired too. I don't understand why you would ex- – why would Jeff Gordon get a third roll of the dice? That's my question. Why – Why this – Jeff Gordon gave Elaine Vigneault the extension. That's strike one. He hired David Quinn. That's strike two. You really want to go to three strikes on Jeff Gordon? This was his guy. He handpicked him. He could have had anybody. We would have been happy with anybody. Literally anybody after yep. Elaine Vigneault. Anyway. Yeah, it was really easy to please us. I mean, Elaine yeah. is still out there, as you know. I, I Every time anyone tweets fire Quinn, you better say, and Gorton, too, because that, that's all I'm asking. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. The one thing this team lacks is consistency because it's a young team. But the last thing Twitter should be lacking is consistency. If you want Quinn God, gone God. Whoa, Whoa if you want Quinn want God. Yeah. <laughs> He's risen, if Good you know Friday. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, if you want Quinn gone, gone, God bless you. That's fine. A holy man. I'm sad to hear that you also want Jeff Gorton gone because that's what you're asking for. You're asking for those two things. It has to be those two things. It cannot be one or the other. If Gorton gets fired, the new GM will definitely want his own coach. If Quinn gets fired, that's a failure of Jeff Gorton. They're interlocked. They're intertwined. So if, they, if you think David Quinn is coaching for his job, Jeff Gorton is managing for his as well. Might mean a Jack Eichel trade, though. It's true. It's true. Um, I think before we get to our, our guest today, it's really important to uh, play the buzzer and let everybody know that the Tampa Bay Lightning are cheating. They're fucking cheating. They're oh cheating, everybody. Dan, Dan Rosen this morning. Here's two. Here's reasons why the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't making moves at the trade deadline. I didn't even click the article because I know he didn't say they're cheating. I'm sure he said. <laughs> I'm sure he said Nikita Kucherov is going to come back, and that's basically a right. trade deadline acquisition. That's nice. You know why that's a trade deadline acquisition? Because they're circumventing the goddamn salary cap that yeah. is in place to prevent this type of shit. From happening. They are cheating. They're fucking cheating. Okay. They're cheating. Now that we got that out of the way. Um, Unbelievable. I'm sure we'll talk crafts off more with our guest Shayna in a few minutes here. I'm sure you'll talk crafts off more. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> um, other than that, from the weekend, the last three games, can you think of any any big takeaways? It was impressive win versus the Capitals. Two struggle bus situations versus the Buffalo Sabres, who looked the best they have literally all year since losing Jack Eichel. And ah, here's here's what I want. I'm, th- I'm glad you reminded me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to do one thing about the Buffalo Sabres with you. Stand with me. Keep talking. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'll keep talking. Yes. So yes. while it was fun to watch Kravtsov for the first time, I, I do think some of his comments about, you know, being nervous played into his first appearance. But I thought he shined in certain situations and has had an opportunity for um, a potential goal if he dove and uh, hit the ice appropriately. But We'll see. It's definitely nerve-wracking to get on NHL ice for your first time. We saw with Keandre Miller, and then we saw him really thaw thaw out. Maybe that's not the right thing here, but heat up um, as he as after his first game. You got to get the nerves out. So I think Kravtsov will be a uh, wonderful addition to this team going forward. It's, it's actually so fun. It's it's such a fun time to be a Ranger fan, despite all the hate around the team, because you have oodles and doodles of young talent to watch, and then you get angry that you can't watch them more and more. Which, by the way, your top talent is Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox, which is insane. Have fun with that. What do you want to talk about, Buffalo? Okay, here's what I wanted to do. The Buffalo Sabres have won eight games this year. Eight. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, they, they have beaten – they beat the Philadelphia Flyers on January 18th for the first win of the season. Yes. After that game, they took the Washington Capitals to overtime twice, where they beat the Washington Capitals one of those times for win number two. Win number three was January 26th against 
the New York Rangers. Win number four was January 30th against the New Jersey Devils. So, so far, they've beaten the Flyers, Rangers, Devils, and Capitals. Okay. This this is essentially my way of saying I'm trying to see who else they had beaten. They, they could beat anybody. Doesn't There's matter two weeks they where they just didn't play a hockey game anymore. Um, yeah. After that, they beat thing. the Devils again and again. And then they beat the Flyers. So, essentially, the only team the Buffalo Sabres hasn't, haven't beaten so far this year are the Bruins and the Islanders and the Penguins. So should the Rangers be embarrassed that they lost to the Buffalo Sabres? They shouldn't be happy about it. I don't know if I'd say embarrassed. The Sabres, they've won eight games. As much as we make fun of the Buffalo Sabres, and they there's get a lot paid. to make fun here. They get paid, they, my friend. They're, they're still professional hockey players. And Linus Olmark is still really good. Oh, best old, really best good. Olmark movie I saw all year, my friend. That's it. Oh, the joke wasn't good the first time. Hey, you know, you sometimes you just try again as, you know, just yeah, keep that's shooting. that's fine. That's fine. That's right. fine. Yeah, I, it's tough. They, they were ugly games. The Rangers should have played better. I mean, the first game, the Rangers, what, what was it? They took 42 shots the first game against I the Sabres. He, he was they blew them out of the park, and they yeah. just weren't going in. Um, and then Saturday, or, yeah, it was Saturday. Shit happens, man. Yeah, bad, well, Detroit beat, beat Tampa Bay 5 nothing or something. It yeah, is. like bad teams beat good teams, and the Rangers aren't a good team. Should the Sabres be beating anybody? No, not really. It's why they haven't. They've won twice in their last 20 games. That's horrific. But Historically bad. I don't know. I, I, is it a fireable offense? No. I'm yet to find one from this season. A two, lot of questions. Two five-star questions before we get to our guest, Shayna Goldman, for the day. Uh, first one from Kyle. We all, do, we, do we also have to do our Discord questions? Don't forget. I don't have those yet as they were coming up. When you will talk about them in a second. Um, or do we have them? I don't know. I didn't check. I have a couple. You, you ask the five stars, I'll open Discord. Okay. Sounds good. Um, hey, if you want to be a Discord member. Well, that, we're going to get to that right now, so hold on. First five-star okay. question. How can I support the podcast? This is from Swinegart. Uh, <laughs> great question. Patreon.com slash Blue Breakaway. It says, five-star question first. How can I support the pod? I'm an old and not tech-savvy and need instructions. Go to Patreon.com slash Blue Breakaway. It is so easy after that. Next, Greg, if I drive up to the Capital Region, can I sneak you out for some golf? My treat. I'll get us to somewhere nice. I'm a huge Ranger Mets fan, and I love the Premier League, and I'm vaccinated. Pretty sure we're getting asked on a date. Uh, we I should... think so, and you know what? I'm single, ready to mingle. Let's go. <laughs> we will have a good time. Ryan should come too, but I can't remember who plays golf. I will not be your caddy. Um, yeah, patreon.com slash boosters break. You don't want to drive the cart, bro? Drive the fucking cart. It's kind cart. of fun, actually. We'll think about it. Um, next question uh, is from Kyle OC. Hey, guys, big debate at the bar. Uh, while the Rangers are up 2-1 on the Sabres. Well, sorry. Is Keandre Miller a big NHL defenseman, height, weight, and all? Would, what would you classify him as? PSAB is trash. Thanks, Kyle. Um, I would say he's big. He's like, what is he, like 6'6"? Six, six? He's gigantic. Yeah, he's, I, I would, he's, he's not a classically like big guy, but yeah, he's huge. I don't know. I don't uh, six, know. Three. Six, six, three. He's only six, three. That's gotta be incorrect. Yeah. No, he yeah, feels he's probably six, six on skates. Maybe. He feels taller. I don't know, but I, I would, I, I would what, still, what do you want me to say? No, I, I don't, he, there's I, nothing else reading there. off the Wikipedia. <laughs> there's nothing else. Yeah. There. Grow, grow three more inches. He's a bum. Trade him. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I would classify him as a big defenseman. Yes. Yeah. I, I would just say his. His body type is not one you're accustomed to see do all the things that he's able to do. His reach so is tremendous like, too. His poke check is is very very good for especially. Yeah, he's 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 a linebacker with wide receiver speed. Yep. That that like if you wanted to make a football there you go. analogy or like a he's a catcher who can also steal thirty bases. He's a center fielder who can bat first for the Mets like Kevin Fillar. 
Shut <laughs> you fucking prick. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I'd, I'd say he's I'd say he's big. I, I think there are guys in the league obviously bigger, and there are guys the size of Keandre Miller. I think the difference between Keandre Miller and those guys is Keandre Miller can simply do more on the ice. Like, Zdeno Chara has one trick. It's to be fucking huge. I'm not expecting Zdeno Chara to dangle a couple guys or skate a puck out from his own zone and into the other zone. Keandre Miller has facets to his game that dudes his size usually don't have. Yep. And I think that's that's why his size is so noticeable. And that's why MSG talks about it so much. It's not because – it's not just that Keandre Miller is big, and he is. It's that he's able to do all these different things. Big guys – have traditionally not been able to do. Agreed. Totally agreed. Okay. Yeah, we're going to start doing Discord questions too. Um, if you want to become a supporter, as I talked about before. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm actually going to save them for Shayna when she pops on. Cool. So we'll do We'll do these questions with Shayna. Sounds good. All right, let's uh, transition over to our friend Shayna. Uh, but first, a quick break from our sponsors. Trans- oh, they showed up? Transition. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day, Shayna Goldman of the Athletics. Shayna, say hello. You like my Macho Man don't impression? Ever. Don't, don't ever. Sorry. You think that's Macho Man? I don't know. It was terrible. Shayna, what's up? Hi. Hello. I'm do- saying hello like you told me. That was good. Appreciate it. Uh, Greg doesn't do that, so for you to do that, it means a lot to me. Um, we brought you on for a particular reason, because you're writing a very fantastic article that's going to come out this- later this week. It may or may not be on uh, Nora's contention. Can you confirm or deny I, I can confirm. Wow, that's great. Um, can you talk about how maybe in that piece you might talk about a player named Adam Fox? Yes. So this it's actually a national story. It's not a Ranger story. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about Adam Fox. And I have a feeling it might come off as like a little bit of bias as I'm saying like Adam Fox should win the Norris. But like, let's face it, Adam Fox should. I mean, I'm not going to say win right now because like we're just passing the midpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he should be in Norris contention, like, without a doubt. So does it knock Drew Doughty in the intro unless that gets edited out? Yes, it does. And does it talk about um, Adam Fox being great? And overall, just how we evaluate defense? Yes. Yeah. Honest, honest question, Shana. I, I have to get my questions in early because Bryce Harper's warming up in the outfield. and I'm going to get distracted <laughs> by hate. Um, <laughs> can you realistically name two defensemen that are having a better season than Adam Fox? I like if I give Victor Hedman as one of them, can you name another that is for sure having a better season just from pure evaluating the game of hockey standpoint, not a we're Ranger fans. So we're watching the Rangers most just from a, is this defenseman having a better year from Adam Fox standpoint? Can you find three guys to put ahead of him? I don't think you can. So I don't know if I'd put ahead, but I'd put, I would say in the top five, I would put everyone in the, like I, I don't want to look at it and go like, okay, winner right now. But like, I could put a couple in the top five alongside him. One of them, Sam Gerrard. I think the thing though is with Sam Gerrard, now that Makar is back, you know, he took over power play one and now there's someone to split that workload with a little bit more. His value could go down in the Norse conversation in the next couple weeks. And it's unfair to him that like to say that because his role is going to subsequently change because someone came back, but he has been outstanding. So I would say Sam Gerrard definitely has to be in the conversation. I think Pelican Pulak have to be in the conversation. They're having, you know, unreal seasons too. And, you know, Victor Hedman is in the conversation. And Aaron Ekblad was before his injury. But then when you start talking about other players, you have to start bringing in more factors into the conversation. Like, if you're talking about Taves, Makar, and Gerard, who all are phenomenal, you're talking about the team that they're playing with. The fact that they're playing with each other, you know, Taves and Makar often partners – 
when McCarr was out, he played with Sam Gerrard. Sam Gerrard also played a lot of time with Jacob McDonald, who if I told you, you know, Jacob McDonald five minutes ago, could you guys have been like, oh yeah, he plays for the Colorado Avalanche. You've been like, who? He's a player in this league, you know? Confirmed. For, for a second, I thought Pilar actually went deep, but he didn't. I, it, it was, <laughs> I was so prepared <laughs> to just eat shit. Uh, Jacob McDonald, you said, and is he Andy's son? No, he is not, but he does oh, exist well, in this go. league. Oh, that's all I, I didn't know. You said I wouldn't know who he was, and, you know, I don't. I don't. I didn't know. So, yeah. Uh, they, I'm assuming, assuming you're saying those those players kind of cancel each other out in the in the votes race. In theory, you know, it, de- it depends on who you ask is the thing. You know, like me saying it's one thing, people who are voting is another thing. Mm-hmm. Do people care that Taves and, you know, Makar play together or Pelican Pulak play together? Like they might, but they might also look at it and go, who gives a shit? They're, you know, they're leading the way. They're fantastic. They could also look at Victor Hedman and go, well, he pulls Jan Ruta around most of the time and look at how well he does, you know, or. Yeah. Anyone I think in, say that, in, in oh, most, I'm sorry, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, bad host in my, my apologies. <laughs> uh, no, you, I, I think in most situations, like even like when I think about the NBA and the MVP votes, like when, I know this doesn't really count, but like when Durant and Steph Curry were together, they just ate into each other's MVP votes. They won't get it despite how great they are. It doesn't matter. They won't win MVP because they're on the same team. I kind of feel that same way with the Norris, where if you are a defensive pairing, that's tremendous. Like there are many, of course, uh, and even some that you named in this uh, in this run here, they won't get it because it's an individual award, and we can't just give it to one. As, as weird as that sounds, and but it's, it's maybe prehistoric, but it feels like the way it's going to go. Yes, but two things. One, mm-hmm. I think that there's an argument for the best defensive pair as. Um, as an award, I think like the Jennings, like not like that standout Vesna award, but the Jennings is given to the best goalie tandem. I think best defensive pair could be interesting to be awarded at a lesser level. Um, the other thing is, while I agree with you, I would point out things about the Dreisaitl McDavid argument last year that so many people were like, well, they're on separate lines. And it was like, they play the majority of their ice time together, at even strength, yep. you know, just because they played on different lines at points when Dreisaitl moved down to the second line with, if I remember correctly, it was Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins. Um, yes, they were on different lines, but for the most part, they were together that season. And when they play on the power play together, like, so how can you have two heart, you know, caliber players in the heart conversation and think that's fair but then say you can't for the north so i do feel i don't want to say it has to be black and white but like i think that that has to be established in your voting mind whoever like whoever the individual goal uh voter is they should be consistent on that absolutely yeah you make a good point with the dry sidle mcdavid thing what did mcdavid finish like fifth last year on dry sidle I don't know. It, it's a whole situation. I don't remember, I don't remember either. It's, I don't. I try not to remember 2020 as best as possible. <laughs> it's like a thing I try to avoid. Uh, yeah, it's going to be ingrained in all of our brains. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not leaving my personality the rest of my life. So that's super fun. Anyways, live from my living room where I've been the last 12 months. Um, this is a situation where, you know, I wonder if, if it comes down to Victor Hedman versus Adam Fox, if the points continue to flow for both of them. Uh, I think Hedman is, is going to maybe eke it out because of the name recognition and, and the and the people that vote here. But for the first time today ever, uh, Adam Fox got some recognition on the national media. Obviously, you're going to give him some this week on the article, but I do, I do know he got a shout-out on 31 Thoughts, which was a, a very I, nice thing. Yeah. I, I will say, since the Met game's in a commercial break. Oh, thank you, Gregory. Appreciate you for coming um, back. I, I will say, and it, it's a big knock with my 
awards process for just about every sport. It's I, I don't want to make this sound like I'm just going to bash on NHL writers, though. Got to tell you, I like doing it. They don't. They give me a lot of opportunities. Yes, yes, the lightning or cheating. a ton of opportunity. Um, I will say the thing working against Fox, which is completely out of his control and is not indicative of his play whatsoever. The Rangers don't make the playoffs. This is a null and void conversation. It, it really That's a like, load of crap. It correct. Absolutely, it should be. You should. We're this is an individual award where we're awarding to the best individual. It has nothing to do with the team's result. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and look at either of you two and think for a second. That if the Rangers miss the playoffs, it's going to mean Adam Norris is going to get votes. It's not. Victor Hedman could have a completely <laughs> average on. season. You call him Adam Norris? I respect it. That's like, what, what? That's like John, Johnny Norris that Ovechkin was call, calling Carlson all yeah. last year. You called him Adam Norris. I liked it. I did? Yep. Oh, <laughs> it's intentional. Just slows off the tongue. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it, it fits for him. It might be his middle name. I don't know. Um, <laughs> good, good Jewish name, as Shane and I would know. Norris. Yeah. That's strong. That's solid. Yeah, but guys, if the Rangers don't make the playoffs... We're just going to get angry or banging our heads against the wall, right? Am I nuts? I mean, it is a regular season award. I think, though, the playoff conversation, I would say, look, if the if a team is, like, bottom four in the league, like, they are absolute garbage. They shouldn't – that that player should not be up for an award. I don't care if Jack Eichel has 150 points, if he can't bring Buffalo out of slot 30, you know, 30 to 29 or somewhere into some relevancy. And I'm not even saying the playoffs. Just the race. Just have a chance out of the basement somehow. Then, you know, if you said, well, he doesn't he doesn't belong in the heart, I'd go, okay. Like, he was the most viable player in the league, but it literally didn't matter to that extent, sure. But then you look at it versus Panarin last year. Had the Rangers not made the playoffs, they were in the playoff race. And a big reason why they were was Panarin dragging their asses up the standings. So if the Rangers miss the playoffs, if things continue the way that they are or progress from here, I would assume that they miss it by a small margin. Adam Fox should still be eligible for the award. If they were suddenly on the bottom, like Buffalo or New Jersey are going to be in their division, that's a different conversation, but it's not going to be. Yes. Yeah. This is like every Mike Trout conversation that has ever happened. Yes. <laughs> uh, literally the best baseball, one of the baseball, baseball players in history. Um, every Mike Trout conversation. Uh, all right. So we look forward to your piece. Norris, any other, other like hints you want to drop about it or are we, we good on that? Um. It's a lot of words. Big words. There's some wow. numbers. Yep. There's numbers. You know, you numbers know, sometimes too? It's, oh, no. <laughs> it's funny when I, like, get, like, I don't mind if I get shit because, you know, I, I write about numbers and I use charts and crap like that. Like, you know, it comes with the territory. You don't mind it. if you get, get shit it. about doing your job, Shana? Yeah. 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 Like, you know, it is what it is to an extent. This is my style. Of, but that's just it. It's my style. If you're clicking on a story from me, yes, you might see quotes weaved into there. And you're going to see a ton of video 90% of the time. But if you're not expecting charts and numbers, then what the fuck are we doing here? Like, did you just <laughs> click my name at random? And like, that's the thing. <laughs> Shane, it's it, it it's a joke I made earlier on this podcast where every day it's I fucking hate Larry Brooks. Let's see what he has to say today. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing is when people message Greg, like, well, I don't understand why is Greg so angry. I was like, is this your first time? <laughs> <laughs> Do you what, even go here? What, what, when were you like, oh, maybe Greg will be not angry today? Oh, he's not. <laughs> like, what was? Hey man, if you keep providing me the reason, I'll keep giving you some, I, yeah, what you want. Like, what are we doing? What they want, man. It's, it's just, it's, it's a part of our persona. It's like people, like someone said something to me the other day, like, wow, you're cursing them a lot. And I'm like, yeah. And yeah. What are we doing? So funny. What are we doing? Kona in the background agrees. I assume that's, that's Duke, actually. Uh, two. Yeah. You almost had yeah. it. All right. Let's get to um, the trade deadline coming up. Cause we actually didn't talk about that in the open. 
uh, somehow uh, of this podcast we had talking about the organization as a whole david quinn you know the whole you know the whole deal <laughs> the fun stuff yeah the good no, stuff yeah. the goods uh with this trade deadline coming up I don't really see a lot happening. I think they're last year, and this is important, and maybe at the time you broke a trade very late, Brady Shea <laughs> to a Shayna Bomb, Brady Shea to the Carolina Hurricanes. Are you hearing anything at this point in time? And can you imagine the Rangers breaking literally any trade that doesn't involve Brennan Smith? Um, my hair is so big, it's full of secrets. I can't say. No, okay. um, I'm totally kidding. I don't know anything right now. Um... What the fuck? Mets, nothing, Mets, or Shana. Mets or Shayna? Mets or Shayna? Oh, yeah. Oh, Mets 100%. I'm pretty <laughs> oh, okay. sure. <laughs> I'm like, we're here to fucking know. We're not there yet. So, sorry. Um, sorry, Shayna. I would never say that. I, would... <laughs> I thought Reese Hoskins just did a home run, but I think he actually got thrown per- out at third. Perfectly timed. It was so timed. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at least... I won't, even, I won't lie. I don't... I, Shayna, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what you were saying. Uh Please continue. You got 20 minutes left here, Greg. You could just go silent if you want. No, you guys want to hear the reaction. <laughs> no, no, no. We have to hear. Okay, it that's good. And see if it fits organic. I tried everybody but, listening. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's so... a home run. They're, they're going to overturn that shit. That's not great. <laughs> Shado, as you were saying, you're <laughs> not hearing anything currently. Um, yeah. So I think the interesting one is so many people like expect average to be traded. And like, I is don't that think that's going to be the. I mean, you hear it. It's funny to see how the heel turn. You know, like, oh, now I recognize he's good. It's like, oh, okay. And, like, he obviously has gotten a ton better. He's he's so good defensively. And I'm someone who liked him from day one. If you said to me, oh, he's going to be, you know, your leading penalty, the leading penalty killer on the team, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, it's not like he was bad defensively. He really never was bad defensively. But he wasn't actively defensive. So to see that change, you know, I think he's a long-term piece. And I think Ryan Strom, if something happens, it should be in the offseason. He's been excellent this year. Um and he has the underlying numbers to back it up. So it's like, it, it's not like you're even looking at it at this point going, oh, sustainability. Oh, anything like, and he managed without Panarin. He was playing so well with Kreider. So I would bet he gets moved at in the offseason or next deadline if it were to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. But Shana, I'm, I'm actually so happy you brought up Uchnevich because we have a new segment where oh? our uh, Discord friends ask questions for the show. And there's one specifically about Buchnevich that I wanted to ask you and Ryan. Uh, it's from uh, one of our followers. I believe it's Day Lupus. I don't know. One of our Patreon Ryan's supporters. The one that there you names. go. Patreon supporters, yes. <laughs> he asks, the Rangers have a lack of sea depth, a flat cap for the next few years, and a loaded right side. With Kako's growth into a defensively responsible 200-foot player and Buch playing himself into a higher-paid contract, do you see the Rangers moving Buch at the deadline or at the draft for addressing the needs at center? To, or just to make the right wing more accessible to the kids, which you essentially uh, answered, but. Yeah. I mean, I think if the thing is like they're different roles and I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen next with Kraftsoft just yet. You know, you can't count your chickens before they hatch or whatever the saying is like, and that's, that's not a knock on like anyone's game. It's just, it seems like you don't want to put yourself in a position where you move too many pieces and then you realize like, oh shit, we screwed up. We shouldn't have done that. Like that's happened with them before. Uh, I know like they've moved centerpieces before and then they were like, oh wait, actually we don't have center depth for the next year. We didn't address it properly. Like that's going to be the challenge of it. Now you have to replace Booch and maybe someone like Blackwell can stick around and be that utility player because I really do think he's good in that role, but you're, he's not 
your Buchnevich replacement, like because he doesn't have that same offensive ceiling. You know, he has the two way play down and he's a good depth player, but like you're you're talking apples and oranges there. And you know, you, there's only so much you're gonna expect from someone who is I think he's 28 years old now. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I'll go I'll go one step further than Shayna because I I think you and I are gonna agree on this next answer. Do you see the Rangers making any trade involving Butcher Strom that isn't a quote unquote hockey trade where the Rangers are getting not just an NHL ready player, but someone they can immediately slot in where they think this guy is an upgrade over what we currently have. I don't see it being, I think it has to be for Buchnevich specifically. I think it has to be a really big trade for him to go. And I think that their needs have changed. You look at, look, we've been talking about the left side of the defense for a really long time. We really don't need to right now. You know, Ryan Lindgren is developing if he continues. And a lot of it is because of Adam Fox. You know, there's, there's, you know, it's not a knock to Lindgren to say his game's elevated by Fox. But Lindgren has taken strides individually too and done so much to address his game in a way that I don't think any of us expected that he is a part of the conversation. Kendry Miller is a part of the long-term conversation that you really do have your top four filled out on the left that you could sign any depth defender like, you know, last year it was Slater Cuckoo and Ben Hutton, John Merrill. Those were the available guys. Someone like that. Jack Johnson. <coughs> Shane Goss. Oh, God. Uh, that would be fun, too. Um, I would not be opposed to that. Um, See, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked well, you. Yeah, I like. <laughs> I, I liked him, like, all along. He's someone that I uh, I liked his contract when he got it. I thought it was a good model for other deals. Um, you know, I like talk, you at, I was talking to Jacob DeGrom, though. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I thought, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. okay. That, that one I was See, actually talking. Shane. It's hard to know. I, just, I know that's why I say it. I want to keep you guys on your toes. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm here for. But, Shanna? No. Oh, she got angry about the mess. Oh up. no, Shanna, come back, please. Shanna, come back. Baby, come back. You can blame it all on Greg. Come You're not going to believe it, but yeah. DeGrom got squeezed against Bryce Harper. Oh, also, I have him. no idea how this Reese Hoskins ball was not a home run. I, no idea. It hit the top of the wall. It looked like it bounced off the stands behind the top of the wall. We'll leave this and part they in. Said, <laughs> no, you should. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm straight flabbergasted. Yep. This isn't me talking to you. This is me talking about my feelings. Right. Um, I'm gonna yeah, message I, Shane whatever. Right now. Reese let Hoskins her, got thrown out at third. Let so. her know we lost her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Riamuto just struck out, too. As is tradition. Filthy. Good play-by-play with Greg, of course. Uh, Hi. This, <laughs> this interview's been a lot. Um, we were talking about trading Buchnevich at, at the time when you dropped out, I believe, and then Gregory did some play-by-play of the Mets, but now we're back. Now we're back. Yep. But, I, needed, uh... I needed to fill some time. No one wants to hear us talk. They, they just want to know what's going on in the Mickey. <laughs> That's true. And, or Shayna. They want to hear Shayna. She's not here. Yep. I don't want to listen to these guys anymore. I get it. Totally get it. Uh, yes, trading Buchnevich has to. Ha- I think what the point you brought up was like, what what would you even be trading him for at this point? It would have to be like a haul yes. to trade him at the draft. Uh, it would have. I mean, it would have to be. We all agree at this point, it has to be a center, right? That that yes. is that's the one thing that the Rangers currently don't have. Even then, yes. though, like the centers have been not bad for the Rangers. Like Zabinajad came back to life. Ryan Strom has been maybe the best Ranger outside of Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox, and then Filipito is in existence. So. Um, I think if I wish we could have seen more of Heedle this year, the the, the hand because he was playing so well. It's funny he was playing so well at the beginning and Strom wasn't, and I, I kept thinking like, flip him, flip him. Like now's your chance to flip him and see what you yep. have in Heedle. But the, since they haven't, like they they really are, are stunting themselves. And obviously now it's you have to get him healthy and get his hand 100, percent which we don't know if it is. 
um, before you start saying like, oh yeah, throw him at you know the second line. But I do think though, like if this week the Rangers' offense struggles and they want to start tweaking things, and this is not a knock to Strom, put him with Lafreniere and Cockler, put him with Kraftsoff and Lafreniere. He played earlier this season between Lafreniere and Kako, and that line was really good offensively. They didn't get as much time. They were really good offensively, so if you can give that a shot and then see what happens with Heedle next to Panarin. I like, like Strom and Kako's chemistry. I think it's really nice on on the ice. Yeah. They, they find each other in, in, in good spaces. Obviously, every time Panarin helps everything you do when he's on your line. Uh, but I, I don't mind them playing together whatsoever. I think it's an interesting idea. Obviously, we've talked about the power play ad nauseum on this mm-hmm. podcast and on Twitter.com. Are you uh, are you in favor of the moving Strom to power play two and moving one of Lafreniere or Kako to power play one situation? Yes. And I think even if they wanted to keep the kids together and put Buchnevich there, I think my bottom line is you need a left-handed shot. Uh, you just can't get a, a shot quick enough off the right circle. So often you see this like be a problem. And um, if you look at where they're creating offense, it's it's all coming from the left circle, which was either Panarin or it was Zibanejad when Panarin was out or it's Panarin again. And then that net front area, which is often Zibanejad and sometimes Kreider too. Um like based on like the location that it is uh you need something from your right side because you should have at at all times you should be planning to have this multi-dimensional offense and I feel like it's a term that like since Quinn took over I'm constantly saying you know obviously it wasn't there Vigneault it wasn't even a conversation because there was the offense just wasn't there and the talent wasn't there either but now you look at it and you're going well you want to you have the talent you have Zibanejad you have Kako, Booch, Kreider you know so on and so forth now you need to make sure that it's as good as it can be. And so often, like at even strength, when you see them go for that quality chance and then fold back, you know, there's not enough going on there. The same goes for the power play. If you're going to go power play one the entire time, which does happen, and some say it's a better strategy, you need that power play one unit to be that good and to have that offense coming from every which direction to make sure, you, you know, you want to be like equally tiring out the penalty killers and that one side just isn't there, you know, because it just – they can't get that shot quick enough. It's off, like no having an option do. available to you and never using it. They they yeah. don't. It, yeah, it, it it's, doesn't make sense. It's clear that teams plan for the Rangers like, hey, they can't use the right side of the ice. <laughs> yeah, and just, Strom's been passing really well. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like he's useless. He definitely isn't. It's just, are you maximizing it? And when you're going to play power play one for, you know, 130 or 140 of a power play, you need to maximize it as best as you can, and you're not doing that. Well, is it, is it almost a bad thing? It, it, it both is and isn't, right? The New York Rangers, from last year alone, their ability to establish the zone on the power play is almost second to none. They're able to get the blue line more successfully. And they're able to control the puck without interruption for long periods of time. At the same time, it's almost like a detriment that the Rangers are able to do that because that's why we're not seeing any of the second power play unit. Yes, but so two things. Um, first, there was work done by Arik, who works for the Colorado Avalanche. He did a lot of work on the on power plays, and it was saying how a team's uh, chances of scoring increases when they're in formation. So that is a good thing that they can get there because that's a problem that they had in years past, where they were constantly, you know, trying for these rush chances and then having to restart all over again. So being able to establish it, maintain the zone, that's really big. And I think Fox does play into that. And a lot of people want to talk about like, oh, maybe that's a problem. Like, no. Fox is really good at holding a blue line, so that's good. The other part of it is, yeah, it depends on how you see uh, power plays, how they should be. Uh, Dom Lushishin did work on it a couple years ago, 
and you can read that. I believe it was with The Athletic already. Um, it was on how teams use their power play units and which is more successful, basically how they divide their ice time. And for a lot of teams, like it does work better to have that one all-star first unit. You know, Pittsburgh, I think their first unit plays like 60, 70% of the ice time too. Alex Ovechkin basically plays on both units. You know, he's out there so much. So, and that the same can be said for guys like- He doesn't move as soon as the power play begins. The other, hey, the other guys can get on and off the ice. He's just going to chill. Either way, you're starting a power play. You want him and you want him in his spot and that's it. Like period, the end. And like, it wouldn't be a bad thing to do it with Panarin sometimes too. Like, oh, let's get power play two out there. Why not throw Panarin on it? You know, if it doesn't, you don't want to like screw over another player, but like there are times in games where it's like, oh, that that's what you should, you know, Zabanajad was just out for a three minute shift or something like that crazy. Like maybe you go, we'll go power play too, but we're going to throw Panarin on it or we'll like mix the units. Like they don't do things like that enough, but I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of leaning on one power play unit, but I just think that that power play unit needs to be absolutely dominant and they are not that yet. No, I think they're 23rd in the league currently. Don't quote me. <laughs> Is it, is, it is kind of funny, though, that you bring that up. David Quinn will refuse to mix up his special teams unit. Yeah. But the five-on-five five stuff, you can, might as well just roll that into a goddamn blender. Yeah, and the same was last year, too. You know, last year uh, I wrote an article about their special teams, I remember, and uh, talking about the power play, it was the same as that conversation. It was, why don't they have a left-handed shot? Because you can see the problems with someone playing on their off wing. And the other part of it was actually then was switching out Fox for Truba so you can hold the zone better. You did part of that and you did it, you know, your hands were tied in a sense, even though it was the right decision at the time, regardless of anything else going on, fully based on like their on ice abilities, like just because one is so much calmer and poised at the blue line, which is what you want when it's only one defenseman. Um, and I think the other part of it too, is they use two defenders on power play too. And I think that's something like, I'm personally not a fan of it. I want to see four forwards. Fuck, I want to see five forwards at times, you know? So three forwards and two defensemen I don't love. And it's not a knock to Miller or Truba because I think they're both good and either one can play the role. Um, but I think that's another thing that takes away from their potential. Agreed. I, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's a very – it's such a touchy situation, as you know, because we're all trying to see these – the children develop in such a way and <laughs> – with the children, one of the best ways to develop them is, hey, Lafreniere, it turns out, is good in open ice. Who knew, right? And maybe the way to do that is to get him on the power play. But, um, or maybe, uh, and I took a lot of heat for this, you know, maybe he can earn it. <laughs> That's such an old guy take, but I had to throw it out there that, it's, that day. It's not, I don't, okay, I don't, like, disagree with the fact that he needs to earn his ice time. But I do think he was demoted undeservingly at points and then when the he was put on that third line and they seriously struggled when Hedl came back defensively they didn't tweak that line like as simple as switching centers or you know adding someone different onto the wing just moving Kako up and trying something different like it was let's just lower their ice time instead of fixing it initially so since then he hasn't earned his ice time but I think you could say from the start he didn't deserve a demotion and to see his ice time suddenly dwindle without any adjustments made to the line to help them out otherwise. Uh, I totally agree. I, I, I kind of, I half-heartedly joke about the Lafreniere earning his spot situation, and I don't mean that, like, in a, oh, he has to, you know, 
get out there and grind and do whatever as you know he's he's, he's well, I home think... run Aaron Judge Greg oh <laughs> of course I didn't fucking bet him tonight that makes perfect sense um, sorry that's fantastic unbelievable I've bet Aaron Judge three times to get over half a hit oh my and tonight God. is the night I didn't do it and great yeah. fuck great but yeah, I had a point before it won't work I've, of course I know it. I'm gonna do it out of spite though I want him to hit 091 now for the season all right um, uh, to make my I, to make I, my I point here. Ryan, I had a okay I had a point I had a point to back up off you it's not that you want Lafreniere I, I'm trying to understand what you're saying and I was going to, to explain but go on yes. terms. yeah but I, I I like interrupting Listen, I, I know give me, cut me some slack I'm paying attention <laughs> it's not that you want Lafreniere to necessarily earn ice time it's that you want Lafreniere to make it impossible for the Rangers to take ice time away from him. that is exactly it he's a the yeah he's a number one overall pick a talented phenom who scored 200 points in two over 200 points in two years he has all the talent and ability to do it. He can make it so that the New York Rangers have no choice but to play him, and that has not been the case yet with Lafreniere. There's been actually right. limited moments with Lafreniere where I've been like, wow, holy crap, that guy's talent is showcasing on the ice. It, it's happened very infrequently. He's always looked like a natural NHL player, like a fit, like someone who could stay in the league, but there's never been a time really, or very few times this, this season where I've been like, holy, wow, look at that talent. It's undeniable when you watch. And it just, just yeah. hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and, like, I don't – there was a moment where it felt like that was coming. It was coming together, and I think part of the reason was, like, outright, Zibanejad was dragging down the line when he was on the ice with Booch and Zibanejad, and, yep. like, you could see all of the focus was on getting Zibanejad scoring again, and even, like, KZB was struggling at the time, and you could just see who was dragging down the line, which was, like, so odd and uncharacteristic, but, like, it, it's what was happening. There were moments there it felt like they were piecing it together, and the line was gaining some chemistry and like starting to make it work. And then they were broken up again. And I want to see, I, I definitely want to see like, it's not necessarily even a Lafreniere problem. I want to see tweaks to their offensive strategies before we even get into like the line combination, like conversation. It's so much of it is their offensive strategies are so flawed and so bad. And it's, They've improved defensively, but you don't want it that it takes away from the off their offense, which their even strength offensive generation wasn't good to start with. And I think that needs to improve. And then we can start talking about like individuals performing better because it's like their offense as a whole is so underwhelming that it's gonna be hard. It's hard for like anyone to stand out that isn't Zabanajad and, and you know, Panarin sometimes. And they're game breakers. They can do it no matter what, but like you wanna see it that everyone's doing better offensively and I think it it starts there and then you build out and then you start addressing each player's needs if that makes sense it does make sense I just want to make sure I'm not crazy like that he has the talent it's it's not like he doesn't we heard how he was the bona fide number one overall pick in this draft forever I'm sure it's there I'm not doubting him at all as a player in a, his long-term development or success of this team it just hasn't been shown yet and that might be due to Quinn. That might be due to the situation. That might be due to a lot of factors. But he can control his destiny. Oh, a- absolutely. It, it, he can force the Rangers to be like, oh, wow, we have to play this guy on the first power play and the first line because he's so talented. And But turns out the NHL is really hard when you're 19. Who knew? I mean, I, we watched it all Especially last year. Especially in a pandemic. You know, it's a weird year. He didn't play hockey for basically a full year before that. He had the injury to, like, end a season before that, if I remember correctly, like, there's so many things that play into it. I agree, though. Like, he should be, make, you know, pushing their hand a little bit more and saying, okay, I'm forcing you to play me. And But he's not, like, actively bad either. So I do think that is encouraging. He drives play. But... He absolutely does. But... Yeah. But it, it's also, guys, it's also a matter of 
he plays the one position where the Rangers have an excuse not to play him more. Yeah. Right. That's, that's definitely a big part of it too. But like you want, the thing is though, my biggest issue with some of the decisions is like, I think the team needs to be a little bit more realistic about what they are. And I want, I would be curious to know how on board the front offices with the coaching ideals. I get it that they're going to want to win every night. And I don't expect a coach to come out and say anything else because you don't want to take away from the team's momentum or make them think that you're trying to do anything else. You are trying to win. You don't want it that you're coming out and saying, well, this decision's for development. Like if you move up Lafreniere to line one tomorrow, you're not going to be saying like, oh, we're doing for his development. You're going to be like, no, I think he helps us win. That's going to help his confidence. That's going to keep the group's confidence up. You think this group is good enough to be a playoff team. I get that. But I do think that some of the decisions you want to see be focused on the future as well. And and really, like, that's where you see, like, a heedle tweak or Kako staying on the second line or something like that. Like, you need to be working for the future with every single decision you make. So if you're saying we're doing this because we want to win, that's fine. But you need to actually be doing the right things, like, along the way as well. And I think at times there have been some question marks. And But then you get into, like, oh, did Lafreniere earn the time? The biggest thing is I'd like to see him get a little bit more support, more support in the lineup, maybe a little more support, you know, in in where he's positioned and where he's set up for success. And I'm not saying, oh, throw him on the first line. But I think that there are times that you see that, you know, the third line struggling. You need to do something that's going to put him in a better position to succeed. But guess what? Like, you're doing that. You're helping your team now. You're helping your team in the future. And you're doing what you want to do. You're trying to get your team to win. Like, no one's saying take apart the lineup and do it that, you know, puts only the kids in a position. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. you got to be looking for both. I, I did notice that David Quinn on the second Buffalo game, which was also a disaster, threw the third line out multiple times late in the third period. Now, unfortunately, the Rangers yes. lost that game, but he gave Lafreniere, who only had 12 minutes of ice time. I know everybody. Trust me. I'm aware of this. Um, he gave him a lot of opportunity late in the game when there were meaningful moments. So I, I did think maybe he – he learned a little bit from that game where Lafreniere didn't play as, as much when he let Krafts off and Lafreniere have the big moment. It didn't work out for the Rangers, and maybe that hurt their playoff chances in the long run, but he did send them out there multiple times late in the third versus Buffalo. No surprise there. Yeah, and that but, was after, sorry, that was after less time in the second period because there were so many penalty kills. Yep. It was just, it was perplexing the game before that, I think it was, that, yeah, that, that line was the combined Lafreniere for game. a goal. Yep. Yeah, when the line combined for a goal with Gautier. And then they like they barely saw the ice after that, and it was like, wait, this is now they're clicking. That's going to help you win. That's when you would think that they get the time. So yeah, at least it was they made up for their ice time in the third period. And like, yes, they had twelve minutes. Yes, yes, but like they they don't play shorthanded, and they kept going on the penalty kill. Like there, there's only so much you could do, you know, in the last game. I really do think though that it it really boils down to Lafreniere and even Kako, though Kako seemingly has a longer leash this season than he did. Last year, it, I truly believe a lot of it, which is something we haven't done a good job of talking about on the show, is just he plays the one position David Quinn has options. You want to know why we don't have a Keandre Miller time on ice conversation ever? Because if he's not playing, who the hell's going to play? It, it, like, didn't, but we could have had that conversation earlier. We could have if they were going, oh, well, Jack Johnson's going to play more. And right, but, but we didn't. Smith. But we, did, we didn't, they one, were, because Johnson looked bad, and two, Johnson got hurt, but yeah. like Keandre Miller was given every opportunity to earn quote unquote, earn his time out of the gate. And he wowed all of us. It's not to say that Keandre hasn't struggled at points this season. He's had some difficult games. He'd be the first one to tell you that they've existed, but 
he's earned the trust where and it's not just he's earned the trust it's also just the new york rangers aren't going to give lieber hayek more ice time they don't have they anyone could. that can play up there but hold, they, they could they did last they, year they, they gave him first pair of minutes last year and then he got hurt right but they were doing it until they couldn't anymore like that's the thing they give their defensemen a lot more leash than they do their forwards like that's been a trend under quinn whether or not it's because of depth or just a, a comfort level thing and it really might be depth like I, I think it's part depth, but I, I we've had this conversation before too, Shana, because you and I talked a lot about this over the summer, about how we wanted to see, even with the amount of room David Quinn gave someone specifically Adam Fox, who was magnificent last year, everyone thought, he could, everyone thought yep. he could do more. And still Quinn was like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. But it, yeah. like Mark Stahl was getting minutes. Um, Brendan Smith was getting minutes. The worst defensemen were getting minutes than – Adam Fox on a penalty kill last year. But there was also a different assistant coach, though, who did look at things differently from the, you know, you can see right now there's much more of an embrace towards offensive defensemen playing in tough situations and that idea that you can get out of them not by blocking a shot but carrying the puck up the ice. Like, that is huge. I I agree with that, too, but I'm, I'm, I'm merely making the point that while the wiggle room is definitely bigger, it seems for a defenseman, it's not as if we weren't having the conversation about Adam Fox needed more minutes last year too. Like yeah. this, it, it, we're talking about him going from 17 and a half minutes a night to 20 minutes a night, but it was still a conversation. Minutes. Yeah. We, we were talking about situational minutes that we wanted to see Adam Fox. need. So it's, there is a trend with Quinn that in the second year and case in point, Capococco who spent most of last year on the third and fourth line, who's eating happily this year, except for the upcoming game where apparently Colin Blackwell is going to see 20 minutes by time and everyone's going to have a meltdown. Uh, no, the lines are going to change a, it in like the first six minutes, whatever. There's, there's, but there's been, there has been a significant leap in not just in Capococco's performance from year one to year two, but his opportunities. So, Well, I think I, a lot I, of it's paired though. Like, you know, if he wasn't playing well, he wouldn't be seeing those minutes. He came in and he, he came in absolutely. to return to play and looked like a different player. Well, he, a- ab- absolutely. I, I agree. But I also think, you know, is it is it causation or correlation? Like, is Kabataco better this year because of the struggles he had last year, or was this just always going to happen? I will say this think... uh, one thing because I, I, you might you both may know this, but I I do like Kapokako just a bit. <laughs> this could be a secret, but I do talk to some smart people who are you know scouts, uh, professional or not, and some of them Shana. may some yes, yeah, some of them may be named <laughs> Sam. Um, <laughs> and the last they might be Stern. But one thing that that person was talking about was. Kapokaka wasn't this kind of player when he was projected out in the draft. He was a shoot-first possession Mm -hmm. player who honestly was never seen as a defensive forward, wasn't ever going to have to be, and this development of all of a sudden he has these new defensive abilities and is is now even more of a possession player than he was even projected to be, we're not there when that happened, which is why I do think... He's earned this spot. Like Quinn and and Gorton and JD have implemented this 200 foot game sort of situation where it's like they want all these forwards to be accountable on both sides of the ice. Kako has taken one side of the ice very seriously and improved his defense defenses game to a way we never thought possible. It's just that his shot and his offensive game hasn't gotten to the level we all projected it to. But I I, I do think it's, it's close been to getting very there. good though. Yeah, he's. He's a couple second guesses away from burying like eight goals this year. No doubt about yeah. it. But he second guesses and then Nick tries to make an extra pass or an extra move. And then it's a total failure and doesn't score. Yeah. And once he gets like a little bit of confidence going. But so the 200 foot game thing, I think is an interesting conversation because it is a slippery slope. Like 
you can't teach someone to have these like elite offensive abilities. Like that's something a player has and they can build on and they can grow and things like that. Skating, that's an area you can improve. Um, but there's some things you just can't teach. Defensive structure is one of the things that you can teach and you have to be very careful when you do it, especially with young players. And when you prioritize to do it, you know, for some players, the answer is just put them with someone defensive, you know, like last year you could have said like, Oh, just throw them at Jesper Foss. It'll be fine. So I think that it's nice to see that he is developing into that player. It isn't taking away from his offensive game, but like not all players are built the same. So maybe they're looking at it with Lafreniere and going, well, we're going to want him to do the same thing next year. And I think it's nice in theory, but it is going to have to be like a constant conversation, a constant decision on how best to proceed because they might realize, you know what? He's going to need more time before we work on that. Like Pavel Buchnevich needed a few years. It could have also been like, they just didn't decide to do that with him originally. You know, it was a different coaching staff and whatnot for his earlier years, but it'll be interesting to see how they move forward with that. If they go, well, now's the time to do it. Or maybe now let's hold off. Let's, let's work on honing his offensive skill before doing that. The other thing with Kako though, is I think a huge part of the conversation has to be his schedule leading into last season was absolutely insane. Like he was so busy traveling, playing constantly, you could see for the return to play like that jump in his step that you hoped he would have had all season. And you could see what some rest did and an actual like off season and a minute to breathe. So I think that's good for him too. And like Lafreniere got one that no one could have wanted with the pandemic, obviously, and it affected how people can train and everything like that. So I wonder how a standard off season is going to look for him and how that'll change how he comes into the season before any coaching, any tweaks, any, anything like how much of that also helps him. I absolutely love that in back-to-back off-seasons, the Rangers have had a prized number one and number two pick. And both times, the questions we've asked is, well, we got to see what he looks like in a normal NHL off-season because Kako <laughs> played too much and Lafreniere literally didn't play. So every time we go back to, oh, let's just see what it looks like in a normal off-season. It completely bonkers situations how both of them happen, but you got to love the consistency the Rangers have about well, it's got to be a normal offseason, guys. You just got to see what it's going to be able to do. <laughs> Shana, just a little context. Shana, can't thank you enough for your time tonight. I'm uh, ending thank this podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ending it. That's it. I'm done talking, Rangers, for the day. In a mental break. You want to talk, you want to talk Mets? I got 20 minutes. Kevin Pillar's up again in an RBI situation. No, thanks. I'm going to thank our supporters on Patreon instead. You, I, This podcast is supported by Benjamin Waters, Brian Doyle, Broadway Blue Bleeder, Eric Stagg, and George Robrinsky. I... Butchered your name there, George. I'm so sorry. Jimmy Mack, Kyle Franklin, Matthew Kynes, Stephen Lohmeyer, Thomas O'Neill, Tori, the legendary Tori from Manhattan, and Will Spector. Thank you all for supporting the Booster's Breakaway. We love you. Shayna, anything you'd like to plug other than, obviously, your big-time story coming out on The Athletic this week? Um, yeah, there's that. I'm going to – I think it's my last fantasy hockey story of the week, so if you want, like, fantasy advice, go for that. Um, and just, like, as a general thing, and I, I probably sound like a broken record, but, like, if you like things that you see and you like people who write them, you should definitely click them and do things because, like – it means a lot, and obviously we all hate click stuff, but, like, if you could support people you like and try not to share things that you don't like, it it does well for people whose things that you like, and that goes for podcasts, that goes for writing things and whatnot. So you can read my work whenever it comes out and check my Twitter feed for it because I'll promote the crap out of it. And also if you want to buy masks and scrunchies and things like that, you know, go to my Twitter and you can find a bunch of those things promoted as well. I do need to buy some stuff okay. from you. I've been meaning to do that for a while. So my apologies. I do as well, but I'm waiting for the Pokemon wearing Mets mask. <laughs> <before I buy. laughs> they have like Disney now. They have Disney 
uh, MLB ones, but they don't have Pokemon. That's, Wait a second. What do you, what do you mean? I can get like Elsa wearing a Met jersey? No, I think it's um, they have some that's like Avengers things uh, mm-hmm. for certain teams. And they have some that's like Mickey Mouse mixed in with like MLB logos. No, I'm waiting for Elsa in a Met jersey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, later this week with OT after one of the games. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Mead. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. And we love you all. Thanks, Shana. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us. We'll be back. Love you. Bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.